to the cloud. Hello, beautiful humans, and welcome to the Bitcoin Stoa and to our first episode of Innovators, which is a long-form show where we invite individuals and companies building out infrastructure for a Bitcoin world to tell their stories and share the vision for their projects. Current Moscow time is 1633 at 708.193. And as a reminder, the Bitcoin Stoa is a community-funded platform. So if you enjoy listening, you can support the project by sending some sats to the QR code on our homepage at bitcoinstoa.com. Or you can stream some sats using the Breeze app, which has a badass podcast feature. With that said, today I am honored to welcome Justin Rezvani, who has kindly offered his time to be here. Justin is the founder of Zion, which we're going to talk a lot about today. And it's a decentralized social network built on Bitcoin. Justin, welcome to the Stoa. Thanks for being here. How you doing, buddy? I, I love the title, by the way. It's like Stoicism is a massive part of my life. So I think the Stoa is a great place to have conversations and the Bitcoin Stoa in particular. So I, I love the title. It's very oh, cool. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Glad you. Thanks for the kudos on that. I think Stoa is in ancient Greece were like just a public meeting forum for uncensored open conversations. And so yeah. that's kind of the goal with this. And eventually it's to decentralize it with many creators funneling content to a good platform where we can just speak the truth of Bitcoin because a lot of, um, well, I mean, this is going to be very relevant for what we talk about today because <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that gets suppressed. So yeah. I'm really excited for this conversation uh, because the problem that you and your team are solving at Zion is really sort of near, to, near and dear to my heart. Um, as an executive for a health network, the current problem with social media is one that I basically face on a daily basis. Um, you know, we're working to broadcast health education over an un inherently unhealthy platform. And so it presents a very big moral, uh, moral conflict, and, but also a massive opportunity. So um, super stoked for today. And before we dive into what you're building, I'd love to start by hearing your Bitcoin story. You know, like how did Bitcoin find you initially? And what were some of the significant moments leading up to today where you're not only participating in the network, you're actually building on top of it, which is insanely badass. So yeah, I'd love to hear your story. Yeah, I mean, I am, it's, everyone has this one moment I think that they realize that there's something that's going to change the world. So I, I like to go back to like, you know, where did my career start and where did I end up here? And so I graduated in college in 2011 from Cal Poly and I, I worked at an ad, ad banner company for about a year. And then Instagram gets bought by Facebook for a billion dollars. I learned about these things called impressions and advertising. And I said, you know, I had a friend <clears throat> that had like 20,000 followers on Instagram. And I said, um, if you post a piece of content, is that considered an ad? And he's like, oh, I don't know. I, I, I've never really done that. This is right at the beginning of this stuff, like really early 2012. And that was the moment that this like thing clicked in, in my brain where I was like, wow, influencers and creators are going to be the future of the internet. And they're going to be the way that like, they're going to be the people that drive change on mobile and on the internet. And there was like that click moment. So then I built that business, you know, that was the Amplify, I sold the company in 2016, Late last year, um, mid-2020, I got introduced to the Lightning Network, and I was introduced by actually an investor in Lightning Labs, and he showed me, he's like, hey, watch this. I can send you money, and this is all done through a protocol. There's basically zero fees. There's no one in the middle. It's being done through the internet, and it's two different apps that are doing it. None of them are centralized, and that was the second moment that I like, <laughs> I like completely, I was like, this is everything. This is like, if you can move money on the internet, peer to peer, you can build anything on top of that. And that's where like my brain just went, Woof. I was like, oh, okay, I got to, like, I have to spend my life force energy in working on this problem. And like, you know, I've always been a fan of creators my entire life. That's all I've like, I built businesses to support creators and it made so much sense to, to, to work on Zion. And I got introduced to uh, Paul and the, the team at Sphinx. Um, I was working with them for the first three months of this project. They helped build out the beginning of Zion. And that's how we initially built our first code base. And then we went out and continued to build everything on our own. And that's when I realized, I was like, Bitcoin is going to be the future of the internet. Lightning is going to be as important as TCP IP in terms of data transfer, except you can data transfer and monetary transfer at the exact same time with native internet money. This is everything. And so I decided to spend all of my time building this. And now, you know, we're 70 days since our launch. And, you know, we're so blessed that we are now 10% of the global lightning network in terms of node count. We have 1700 nodes active on the network. There's, and that just shows you, I think, how early we are in context, because there's only 17,000 active nodes in all of Bitcoin Lightning. So it just gives you context that we're still very early in all of this, but we're still very excited. Dude, that's a great story. And, you know, like 
can't remember who the quote is from, but this quote of uh, good technology is indistinguishable from magic. And the first time I saw magic internet money on lightning, I was like, oh shit, this is actually real now. Like I'd heard about it. It was, you know, people talk about it, but never firsthand did I see it until I spun up a lightning node. And I was like, oh my God, it's here. It's already here. It's not like some ephemeral thing in the future that's coming. Um, And it works. You're like, oh my God, like, holy crap. And when you look at the interoperability, like, the, the, the light bulb moment for me, which was so cool, was that when like we our app got approved um, in like right the day before the Bitcoin conference and I was sitting. Um, Good timing. I, yeah, it was, it was great timing. And I, <laughs> I was sitting next to someone at Strike and I created an invoice inside of Zion. At the time, it was called the app was called N2N2, but before we changed the name in uh, August and I received an invoice, I copied it, I pasted the invoice into Strike. And I moved money into my Zion wallet and we have no partnership with strike. It's just the protocol. And I was like, wow, that's fucking cool. Like that, like to me, the interoperability of this monetary network to me is amazing. And I think like lightning will, obviously Bitcoin is changing the world, but as lightning scales, as lightning goes parabolic, it's also the second thing that's going to really just impact how we use this product every single day. Yeah. And I mean, lightning crushes all of the hesitations or all the naysayers that were saying it's not fast enough. It's too expensive. It's like, it just takes time. We're not rushing this. We're doing it well because there's too much at stake. And, you know, now that those things are gone and like you said, the interoperability is the true magic of why this is going to be the new global standard. Like you cannot fight open systems. I think people should know this by now. Um, let's talk about the problem with social media, because I think this is a good way to frame why Zion exists, why it's so important. Um, and I'd love to hear your take on sort of the central, let's, let's take a zoomed out view and talk about the central problems with social media as it exists today. Uh, and sort of I'll chime in with my thoughts, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure you'll do a really good job at covering it because it seems like the base premise of why you created Zion. Um, yeah, go for it. Yeah, I think that one of the most important things to think about is like, what does the future of social media look like? And what I wanted to develop is I wanted to develop a general thesis on what it looks like. So I have a couple of points that I always talk about. And number one, it's going to be built on a decentralized monetary layer. It allows for permissionless innovation. It's open source. It's focused on peer-based governance versus platform-based governance. It's censorship resistance. The creators own everything. And people have digital property rights through encryption. This was my general thesis that I wrote out over a year and a half ago of what does the future of social media look like? And if you look at everything being done currently, it's actually the opposite, right? It's centralized platform governance controlled by basically one individual terms of service. My general thesis is that I think what's better is terms of Satoshi's over terms of service and using smart contracts as the way to regulate and build the future of the internet. And that's why I focused all my energy on looking at the entire landscape. I said, what is everyone doing? But I ultimately like landed on the fact that like Bitcoin and the Lightning Network were the only way to build a decentralized social network. And to my, like, to my surprise, I was like, why hasn't somebody else already done this at scale, right? And then I realized it's like, it hasn't been done at scale because it's very fucking hard. But what's yeah. really easy, What's really easy is that if I went and built a shitcoin and put it on some other blockchain, which every VC on the planet that I talked to told me that this would never work and I have to build it on a, on a on Solana or Ethereum or whatever, because those are the ones that you can build apps on. <clears throat> but I didn't. I chose Dude, to- let's just pause there for one second. Thank you for being such a fucking courageous, brave, and motivated human. Like- that moment, that decision moment where you have this gravitational pull of people saying, here's money, do this. This is the way it's being done. It's what everyone's doing. And for you to go a different way and understand really the core ethos of Bitcoin, right? Like, and then the, take the long-term perspective that open systems win. We need to build something interoperable. We need to build something that is inclusive. And to build on top of Bitcoin is to essentially adopt all of Bitcoin's values into your ecosystem. Like you're going to win, just like Jack's going to win. You can't fuck with that. And so thank you for doing that and thinking far enough ahead to know that this is the path and this is actually true to the values of Bitcoin. Like, amen, brother, that is powerful. You know, and and it was at at times it was very hard because number one, and it's interesting because one of my advisors told me this, he's like, no one would give me money. So I was blessed to have sold the company. So I had my own capital. I was 
I, I built it with all my own money. So I had all my conviction of saying that like, this was the only way to do it. And I didn't just have conviction in myself. I had conviction in my own capital. I put and my money in, the game. in my office and I yeah. built it and I put it out to the world. And then after it was live and working and people were using it, then people were like, oh, we have to get involved. We have to give you. And, and, and my preface for bringing on investors was very like, we, br we didn't bring on a single VC to get involved in this project. It's, it's either people that we know, people that we're close with, and people that believe in our mission. That's what's really, really important about how we, how we thought about this. Like it was, it's family that invested in some way, shape, or form. They had to believe in what we wanted to do. They weren't just like looking at this outcome or this exit or anything like that. They had to believe in the ethos of Bitcoin and they had to believe in the ethos of what we wanted to bring into the world. Powerful. And so many of the things that you spit off there on your thesis are so important. You know, to me, like the two biggest core problems with social media as it exists today, even just at a shallower level than the depth of your kind of points that you mentioned are censorship and the fact that it's literally destroying our ability to, for collective sense-making, which is like part, like, Human communication is inherently valuable. One of the biggest things it provides value for is collective sense making. So we can figure out the truth of how the world works and what is what the fuck is going on. Yep. And when you put censorship in there, you stop us from being able to coordinate our understanding of reality. You skew and essentially mess up our view of reality. And you and people with money essentially get to determine our reality. So censorship is super crazy right now. When doctors, when like rational, high-level doctors are being censored from speaking the truth as they see it, uh, you know, you got a big problem. And then I, the second one is this sort of like pure optimization of time on site, which inevitably leads to commodifying human attention and essentially becomes a race to the, like as Tristan Harris says, a race to the bottom of the brainstem, where it's now really profitable to hijack people's attention uh, and to externalize all negative health consequences, both at the individual and the collective level. And those two things are so incredibly damaging I think we know they're damaging now, but it's like we're in a profit trap where it's like you can either keep making insane amounts of profits by strip mining human attention uh, and unravel the fabric of society, or you can stop making all those profits and like salvage some element of sanity in our civilization and money always wins. And the cool thing now is we have ethical money. And so money can still win and it will still win, but now it's good money instead of corrupt money. Yeah. And, and I think the, you know, the fundamental problems are the business models, right? So if you have a business model that's predicated on advertising and predicated on addicting people to a screen as long as you can, because then you can feed them content through an AI and just say, stay on, stay on, stay on, stay on ad, stay on, stay on, stay on ad, stay on yep. and, and manipulate your mind into believing something you don't actually believe. That's a broken system. And I think that's why like we were so, and this comes up to the other thing that I think we were very brave in this, into saying, if you want to join Zion at first, if you have your own node, go, you have our open source software, you can use it. Our, all our GitHub is open source. Everything you can download and run your own node, no problem. If you're an engineer, but if you are someone that wants cloud hosted infrastructure, that we can set up channels, manage your liquidity, but have you own all of your data and have all the privacy behind a private key, it's going to cost you money. It's not free. And that was a big thing for us to change is like the fundamental business model is not being subsidized by manipulation. It's mm. being subsidized by the actual people, the members, the people of the actual community. Because if you are not paying for the product, you are the product. Yes. And we are, we are not focused on users. We don't have any users. We have members and customers. That's who we have. That's, that's who we have in our network. And it was, I mean, a lot of people were like, you're crazy to tell people they got to pay to join this thing. They're never going to join it. But it's not true because people will pay for freedom. People yep. will pay for sovereignty. And we have to, the job that we have is to reframe the value chain. Is that, do you think Facebook is actually free? No, it's manipulating you and sending you advertising and subsidizing your life force energy. And I think this is what's really important that people have to like kind of reframe is that like, they are extracting your life force energy and your attention. And then yeah. putting it back into profits to build the trillion dollar manipulated empire. And that's not the way the future should go. We're colliding against the centralized world and decentralized is the only solution. Yeah. Decentralized is the way of nature to fight the laws of nature. means you're eventually going to have a hard lesson in reality when they catch up to you. 
Uh, yep. I think we're learning that lesson now. And one thing I heard you say on Kyle Kingsbury's um, podcast, which I thought was absolutely brilliant, is that creators right now are building mansions on land they don't own without a rental agreement. And that, that like melted my face. I listened to it three times because I was like, oh my God, that, <laughs> there's no fat on that. And that is so true. And yeah. you know, this notion that what you're building is giving people a sovereign slice of land that they own, which is Bitcoin. Like the real estate is Bitcoin. You can now build something that you own that is protected by the strongest shield known to man, which is encryption. And like, you can actually build something with a long-term mindset without the risk of being basically destroyed or shut down or having your payment rails where, which is, you know, people in your community communicate value to you through money. This is just a reality without ever having anyone be able to compromise those, right? Not just say, oh, we're never going to censor you. We're not going to compromise you. Like literally they can't. And that's a very, I feel like that is one of the crucial elements and, and like, it's very hard to get Bitcoiners on your side if you're building something on top of Bitcoin. Like there is a, an unbelievably high standard because people are so well-informed. And so, you know, this whole notion that you keep everything open source, it's fully transparent. Um, this whole notion that you're building on top of Bitcoin and holding true to Bitcoin's values is like, you're going to get a shitload of love from the Bitcoin community because you're actually staying fully true and honest and transparent with how you're doing it. And like you said, people don't do that because it's really hard. It's really hard really um, hard yeah and if it, you can do it you're, you're good yeah and, and i think that's the thing is we were just we were on a twitter spaces earlier and brad mills was like saying he's like i don't want to believe this is true it's like it's like part of me doesn't want to believe what you're doing is real like, and you're gonna like tell us all that you're like you're a shit coin at the end and it's like <laughs> well i mean i don't know how right like like we're, we're trying, like, we're literally trying our best. And if we're not doing it right, just tell us like, oh, you yeah. should do this more. You should put this out more. It's like, we've tried to be as transparent about everything we're doing as possible. We're telling you how we make money, how we store data, how we store information, how the protocol works. Like there's nothing black box about what we do. We've told you in our entire business model effectively and every aspect of that. We have, we have no interest in kind of secretizing anything. Here it is. Here's open source, and this is what we want to do. And I just think that, to me, that was, I'll tell you, as, as an entrepreneur, it was very hard to reframe my mind in moving from this idea of proprietary to open source. Because I always build, like, I told for six years in my last company, it's like, we have a proprietary algorithm that does this, 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 and this. Whereas, like, in this case, like, nope, everything's open source. You can go look at it and review our code. It's permissionless-based innovation. And I think that's what's really important about the values of Bitcoin is that, we want to adhere to all those values because we're a Bitcoin company. We're a Bitcoin company. And what we're trying to do is bring Bitcoin to the mainstream. That's the thing that I think we're, that's a little bit hard for a lot of people to like, because if you look at who's involved, you look at the cap table, you look at our investors, you look at me, like we're not the typical look and feel of a Bitcoin person. We're just like kind of, I'm a normal dude. I'm a normal person that wants to bring Bitcoin to millions of people. And so it's a little bit, I think, different and it's a reframe for Bitcoiners, but we're Bitcoiners. That's what we are. We, we want to build a, a great Bitcoin business. And we, we know that this is the only way. Like, that's why I always use that Mandalorian, like, this is the way. And that's why it's in our guide. It's in all of our documents. It's like, this is the way. This yeah. is the way. It's almost like you don't even need like a company credo because the thing you're building on top of doesn't allow you to stray away from it, right? Like you're no, building I mean, on top of Bitcoin. And, and effectively, like what people have to understand is that before anyone is inside of Zion, they are first a lightning node. Hmm. And then we install custom software, which is a relay, which is an alternative database. And then they become a Zion node. But first they're a lightning node. And a lightning node is a standard operating node that is available running LND that's everyone understands as an open global standard of how to move money and how to communicate through a pub key. This is a standard system that everyone uses. Then we add some customizations that allows you to do the cool things that we can do in social, which is create communities, uh, join communities to chat with anyone in the world and pay anybody using your lightning uh, non-custodial wallet. Join chat pay. Those are the products that we provide to our customers that are a little bit different than just the lightning node. Because a Lightning Node is great. It allows you to route payments and do that. But what if you can join Chat Pay as well? And that's where Zion lies. That's our focus. That's our messaging. We want to help people join communities, chat with anyone in the world, and pay anyone globally without a centralized server. Mic drop. Powerful. Um, I think one of the biggest things that's hard to get across to people is the, the drawing a distinction between Bitcoin and the asset 
which gets a huge amount of press. It's everywhere. That's what people think Bitcoin is. I, I really think that the majority of people, even some, a lot of people in Bitcoin, really don't understand that there's a, there's a hard line that could be drawn between Bitcoin, the asset, and Bitcoin, the network. And this whole notion that money is a tool for communication. It's how we communicate value to each other. It's its own language. But you can wrap the language of money around other things. Like the language, uh, another method of communicating is with words or with um, messages. And this whole idea that you can actually tether them I shouldn't say tether. That's a bad take. Uh, you can couple them together um, so that the communication element of the data and the monetary element of the data become one and the same. And the communication part of the data coming into, like integrating fully with the monetary unit is actually what allows, I believe, you to encrypt that data because Lightning already encrypts monetary language. You're just adding verbal language or probably video language or who knows what the possibilities are to that. And that's like super, super special. Um, and yeah, I'd love to talk about Zion now. And I, I really like the approach of, well, my first question, what's, what's the difference between N2, N2 and Zion? You already kind of uh, mentioned that. <laughs> yeah, so that, that question has been answered. That was the first name. It was the first name. And we changed the name like two weeks before launch. People were like, and no one's going to understand N2, N2. And we were like, yeah, that's probably, because the name wasn't, at, at the time, the name wasn't important to me. So for a full year, I was just like, I don't care about the name. We just need a website or all this. Yep. And then we, we had an investor be like, dude, you need to change the name. Like, this is not going to work. Like, this is going to reach millions of people. Like, hmm. no one's good. Like, this name doesn't work. And we're like, okay. And so, but we found a great name. We got a great website, getzion.com. It was like, awesome. Like, it just worked out perfectly. And, and it made sense for our ethos because in The Matrix, the movie and the documentary, the last city without machines is called Zion. And that's what we think. Like, we are the last refuge on the internet without algorithms. We're the last refuge. Like, we're not going to manipulate you because we can't. Like, it's not that we won't, is that we can't. We've made a technical decision that we can never insert certain things into this thing. We can never insert advertising. We can never insert algorithms because the individual creators own the communities inside of that's how the, the, the tech works using the brokers that we have in our relay. And I'd really invite a lot of people that are technical to just go into our open source and see how we built everything. It's really exciting. Yeah, I think the elimination of a choke point is very important. Like you see this with Jack all the time. What Jack wants to do and what Jack can do are very different things. Of course. And I uh, think removing the ability to be a choke point, because it's it's not necessarily that platforms are, are always the ones to do the bad things. It's that the platforms work within a political jurisdiction and work within uh, an investor, basically, group. Those two parties are the ones who pressure and the choke points of these platforms. Yes. The business model. Advertisers. Yep. Dove does not want to be next to misinformation. Sure. It's the business model. And Pfizer does not want you to have actual information. So, yeah. Oh, this is brought to you by Pfizer. Brought to you by Pfizer. (laughs) Yeah. This this episode is not brought to you by Pfizer. Fuck Pfizer. Brought to you by fucking Pfizer. That's for sure. (laughs) Let's go through from like like a pretty rapid fire version. Why? how and what for Zion. So that people can really just appreciate what this is. So what was the key? I mean, you already talked about the key insight that you had that nudged you to create Zion. It's we need a better business model. We need something that aligns with Bitcoin and we need to build on top of Bitcoin. So if you said, if you were to say the why of Zion in one sentence, what would you say? Creators need to have a more intimate connection to their audience through money. Mm, Delicious. Okay. How? Let's talk about how. How does Zion give people greater connect, give creators better connection to the people through money. Because the connection that a creator has is directly with their audience through a lightning channel, through the lightning network. It's like, like you can look at the technical docs. You have a node, which is a customer and a follower. They follow your node yourself. And the connection is through a lightning channel. That's how there's no central server creating that. That's how that's the how. Because I don't think people actually realize the the complexity of these networks we've developed when we oh. when we send a payment to someone you're not actually sending it to another human you're sending it to a database who's then sending it to a company okay. probably sending it to another company taking and each of those companies are taking a little piece exactly. of themselves exactly and, and then maybe it gets to the person like like this is so we have this actually in our deck and i think it's an amazing visualization that we put together it's like let's compare a direct support platform to bitcoin and lightning so a direct support platform would be like an OnlyFans or it would be like a Patreon. Those are the best examples of this. Sure, so sure. if you look at how is those two systems built, number one is that you have the site host, then you have the credit card itself, 
You have the actual credit card. Then you have the credit card processor and the site host. Then you have the bank. And then you have the creator at the bank level, right? So you have, all, and this is the most innovative thing that you have. It's like, oh, pay your audience, pay your creator directly, yeah. right? This is cutting edge. This is cutting edge. It's the most cutting edge stuff to be able to pay your creator $6 a month to be a patron of them. Sure. Well, any of those levels can censor you. Visa can turn you off. The bank can say, no, that's not your money. It's actually not your money at the bank. The, um, the, the hosting provider of the website can turn it off. The, the site itself can say, you don't follow our terms of service, so you're going to be turned off. Whereas like in the world of Bitcoin, and then in particularly in Zion, it's not just one-to-one, it's instant settlement through a smart contract. So even if you're looking at the option of saying, okay, let's say the payment will go through, you have five to 30 days before you can actualize that money in your bank account. Whereas inside of Zion, you can have instant settlement. Like you talked about Breeze, which is amazing. And I hope you guys will start your community inside of Zion because we offer podcasting as well, is that you can stream sats to a podcast and listen to a podcast inside of Zion and then tip that podcaster directly and then have a conversation with that podcaster and be like, that was an amazing, that was an amazing point. Thank you so much for saying that. Thank you so much for doing that. Like that reframes everything. It reframes the idea of like, what are you providing in terms of value? Because there's no central arbiter that can turn you off. It's, it's like, it's finally allowing for this like humanizing of a digital experience, right? Because the, the way the internet currently works is I think kind of fucked up. Like you, like we're, we're talking right now and yes, we're doing it through a digital screen, but if you're sitting in my living room, we could have a conversation and then you could decide if what I'm saying is crazy or not. You can say, you know what, Justin, I don't necessarily agree with that, but that's not how the internet works. I could say something, and then an algorithm or some people decide like, you know what, Justin, you can't say that to that person because they don't understand. Like they're, they're not that smart. So you can't, like we've, we've, we've relinquished agency to technology companies, to big tech. And I think that as humans, we should have the right of agency. We should have the right of freedom. We should have the right of freedom of expression. We have the right to freedom to, to speak. And now we're kind of leading to this decentralized effort and I think Bitcoin continues to be the answer to do this. So number one, for creators, you can develop decentralized communities you, and you can own the audience. Like you truly own the audience. We don't own the audience because we're just a utility. We're not even a platform. I think that's the thing that people have to refund. like, oh, Zion is a platform. No, it is not a platform. Our platform implies centralization. We are not centralized. We have no central servers that store data. It's every node stones their own data and their own conversations. So we're giving everything back to the customer. The creators own everything and the creators can be anyone. The members own everything. You own your own information. And at first you have to pay for it. If you don't want to do it yourself, by the way, if you have your own node, you can do it on your own. That's the point. It's like, what if you could leave Facebook? That's what we're providing. Yeah. And, and you know, like there's a cost to take responsibility. There's a There's an energetic cost. If you want to pay for some of that cost with your energy, then your monetary costs will go down. If you run your own, spin up your own lightning node, it's cheaper. But at the end of the day, like you said, free is the most expensive business model, whether people realize it or not. And I think just kind of to touch on one thing you mentioned before, that stack of like Patreon, not only are there different layers that can censor you, those layers also often take a little chunk of what you're trying to send to one person, but each of those layers becomes an attack vector. Someone wants to steal all your shit, all your data and and extract that. That they're also different layers that are vulnerable to attack. Like they're not impenetrable. You don't know. And so, like the risk perception, I think, is so low. They're like, "Oh yeah, Visa is a great way to send money." It's like, there's better now. Yeah, and it's actually like that's the thing is, they own everything. That's like the truth is like they own all the information. They own all your messages. They they understand everything. And whereas like our position is like we don't own anything. Like, and that's just the truth. Like people are like, so what's like, you know, what's, what's the special, like, we don't own anything. We don't even know what, I mean, the, the, the weird truth is like, we don't even know what people are saying. There's 800 and I'm sorry, there's 485 communities inside of Zion. And I, as the founder or whatever, I have no idea what's happening in any of those communities. There's no central server for me to go check. There isn't like 50,000 people reviewing content every day because- mm-hmm. The creators themselves are hosting those communities. We're enabling the creator to run their own node in their own sovereignty to, and I think that's the reframe is people like think that, oh, we're just this other Facebook. No, we are not. 
Everything about us is different. How the technology works is different. How the stack, we're making it look like it's the same because we're trying to like ease you in to understand like, hey, this looks like an app, but everything about it is different. Everything about it is, 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 and I think the opportunity, what we have is that creators can now be anybody because in Zion, you can post a meme inside of JP Sears's community. And if other people find that valuable, they can, they can give you Bitcoin for that meme in a decentralized way, like in a decentralized environment where like you can move this payment through not us, you know, you're not even moving through us as a proxy. You're moving it to your different nodes yourself through a MQTT. MQTT broker on the Lightning Network. So amazing. Like, and it's so, <laughs> and the cool thing is that it's funny that when people, when these big companies and governments are censoring people, they're activating our immune system, the immune system of humanity. And humanity will react to that by seeking out alternatives that, imp- that solve that problem. Yep. And the crazy thing is that you're solving the problem with social media, which is a global, massive problem. Like, I think it's actually an ex- existential problem for humanity. Like, we, we're kind of seeing this on the health side. I see it every day. People's health is essentially being ravaged by social media. And it sounds weird to say, because it's just a thing you look at. Like, you just plug into Instagram. It's just looking at pictures of butts and cars. But like, people don't understand the implications of censorship on the platform that is forming our reality. You're solving that problem, bringing people in. And you're onboarding people to the world's best money, like as a byproduct. Yeah. Um, and I think that that is like, it's insane to see. And I love how Jack Mahler says this. If you create an interoperable system with a global network, the person at MIT coming up with new algorithms of how this, of how this works, the person in India who's working on Bitcoin, these are all people working for your project. You don't know them. If you don't do anything, everyone else is doing a lot of work to make your product better. You can't compete with that. You cannot fuck with that. Like, it's just not, it's, it's, and you know, like you said, it's hard to do initially. Um, but if you actually commit to it, it is literally, you have the best competitive advantage of anyone on planet earth. And you do it by being fully transparent with the people who you're working with. And that's like, I wouldn't have believed someone if they told me that 10 years ago, I just would have been like, you're living in a fantasy land. Now it's reality. And I think and back to what you said, Bitcoin, it's the beautiful thing about this community. And I have so yeah. much, I have so much gratitude for the, like we've, we're sitting on the backs of giants. We're sitting on the backs yeah. of LND. We're sitting on the backs of the people that invented, invented um, the Bitcoin blockchain and the people that continue to support that. We're, you know, the Sphinx team, all the teams like that are like the blo- teams at Blockstream, like all these teams that are developing these infrastructures that's what's allowed us to do what we're doing. And we have so much gratitude for them and what they've been able to create because we're now just building something for consumers at the application layer. But mm-hmm. at the protocol layer, they deserve so much credit. Yes, I agree. And I think one thing you said, you know, viewing social media as a collective utility and, you know, a public utility supplies goods and services that are considered essential. Uh, and I think a communication network is essential. Like, I think, I, I don't even think anyone would... Um, would say no to that. And so this whole idea that utilities gradually and naturally gravitate towards monopoly because of efficiency pressures, we need to make sure that a company with full censorship control is not holding that monopoly. And so, so we talked about that why and the how in terms of what one sentence, someone says, what is Zion? What would you say? What is Zion? Zion is freedom. Yes, that's the best answer you could have said. And I agree based on everything that I understand about it. And I, and I do look forward to migrating because we migrated to, we migrated from Facebook to a, a platform called Mighty because the notion was our company is going to pay a certain amount per year so that people can go into this ecosystem and not be distracted, not have their data harvested. But if Mighty goes down, we lose everything. So it's still central. It's better, but it's not the best. And yeah. so- yeah, and, yeah I, and I, I that's the thing is like these these other things are just the same thing. They're just websites. Yeah. Like, like ultimately they're like and and not to dog like I'm not trying to dog it. It's just like really important. Like people always ask us like, oh, Trump's building what you're building. It's like absolutely not building what we're building. Like not <laughs> even close to building yeah. what we're building. Like it's not even in the same arena because when you, when you, when people have custody in this way, it's like a, it's a whole different, different ball game. And I think it's like the idea of like, it's not that we won't censor you is that we can censor you. Don't be, yes. don't yeah, be like what you're doing is a zero to one. Like what they're doing is a one to two. It's not, it's a, 
it's not even in the same realm. Um, and one thing I want to say, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, the power of microtransactions for creators at scale, because this is not something we've ever heard of before. This is not like, basically we have this box of that box is the po the potential possibilities of the money we currently use. That box is very small outside of that box. There are things that we can't even imagine because our imagination isn't allowed to wander based on the constraints of that box. And now we have a whole new box. We basically blew the box up. So I'd love to hear you talk about how micropayments through open decentralized permissionless channels can change the landscape for creators. Because like you said, you've always been an advocate for creators created for creators. Um, this is like a monumental shift in the ability of creators to have sovereignty and to have a direct connection with the people who they're creating for. I'd love to hear your thoughts on just like how disruptive our microtransactions going to be. So, on Lightning. so we don't have any likes inside of Zion because I think likes are cheap and they're free. We have boosts and boosts are based upon a monetary instrument of sats, right? Sats are like Bitcoin pennies, 100 million sats is one Bitcoin. So I think it's right now a dollar is 1600 sats in total. Yep. So if you remove the, the function of a free addictive like and replace it with a boost. And if we can just take the proxy that there's billions of likes occurring on social media every day, billions, and replace that proxy to a, val a monetary value. And I, I would argue that if I saw a really funny meme and I would want to send a few sats for that meme. I, I would argue like, if, like, cause there's stuff that sometimes you see on social media, like, wow, that's really good. Like the things that <laughs> yeah. you retweet or you like, you're like, wow, I really like that. But you can give the creator of that message money. You can give them some sort of monetary value. To me, that's an amazing new vehicle of looking at the next layer of the creator economy. Cause if we look at like the creator economy really was invented when regular people could put videos on the internet and people could pay you for them. Now the next layer is the followers of those individuals can get paid for derivative content posted by the audience. That's the future. And, and just the impacts of like, if you have million, and I, I think we're seeing really small indicators of what could happen, right? So we have 1500 members using the app right now. In the last 30 days, they pro we processed 26,000 microtransactions for boosting micro content. Um, wow. they, they transferred 800,000 sats within those 26,000. On average, it was about 10 sats per transaction, right? Look at what that could be at scale. Just, just start thinking of what those derivative numbers could be. And then now you can become a professional consumer of content. You can, if you're somebody that creates valuable posts, you don't just become this like influencer or this follower. You become this curator. Like yep. people curate playlists on Spotify. Now you can become this curator and be compensated for it. So now we're just seeing a whole new level of like, what does it mean to be a creator? What does it mean to be a curator? And how can I easily transfer value? Because a million people sending you one or two sats is very valuable per day. Very, very valuable at some point. And I think if we can now break down all these barriers and don't have to subsidize with other things, it becomes an amazing world because we're not trying to keep you addicted to this app. We just want you to transfer value with your favorite creators. And we know that this is the right way. This is the right way the future should look like. Yeah. And it's, I think the coolest thing is it's honest, right? You can create a million bots and give yourself a million likes or follows. Um, and it can be completely disingenuous you, it costs money to send sats. And so you're creating a real time value transfer that cannot be faked that. And, and I think you actually eliminate a lot of the bullshit of bots because it becomes too expensive to, to have a bot, just put content out there or repost things because there's now a, an ecosystem that gives value to people who create meaningful, good content. And I, and I almost think that it's going to create a resurgence of art. Like the idea that we come out of school, we have debt pressure. We have to do something that makes us money. Well, I can put shit on YouTube, even if I have a pretty good following, I'm basically building YouTube's business and getting pennies. I'm getting crumbs. And now the fact you have a direct pipeline is like, wow, I can actually create unique art. That could be a meme. That could be a tweet for the world and get compensated for that. Well, maybe I can spend more of my life doing that and less of my life just trying to pay off this debt that I have. I now have a new way that actually brings me value and delivers the world value instead of just doing a meaningless job. And I think like the trickle down effects of this, of microtransactions, I don't think we fully understand, but it's going to be an incredible world when that happens at scale. And someone in uh, Malaysia 
can make memes all day and make more money than they would make doing some shit job that crushes their health over time. Like that's magic. It's, it's, and it's, and one thing I want to talk about is like, I, I think what we're innovating also is this idea of proof of human, right? So proof of human, because every member of our network is running a full lightning node, has a Bitcoin wallet with a channel that's tied to a node. Based upon the complexity that you need to set up, there is a very strong likelihood that spam bots won't ever be created inside of Zion. Because in order to create a spam bot, you basically, in, in, most, in most of these, is these applications, you just need an email address and a password, and you become an account and a, an account in a database. You're a row in a database. And there's no sense of proof of human in traditional social media and traditional social networks. I've, like they have to spend thousands of dollars to figure out how do we break spam. But we basically avoid the entire city. We avoid all these problems because there's proof of human required to join this network. Like I don't think any spam company would be thinking about, well, how do I go, you know, how do I go create? Cause like, how do I go create more lightning nodes with Bitcoin on them to like spam people on this? Cause spam is spam only works because it's free. Yes. Right. I mean, it's like, that's There's like no the cost to it. Adam back created hash cash. The whole idea with hash cash was an email is like, you need to have proof of work to send an email, right? Like what we're, what we're going to be innovating in the next few months is that like, this is a question I ask myself cause it's, it's ramping up for me right now in a really big way. Why, if someone has my email address or my phone number, there's absolutely zero consequences for them to reach out to me, to find me on, on some of these, these systems. Like there's zero consequences. And why is that? Because it's free. So now we're building a smart contract and don't get like, don't let the Bitcoin people get all like fudded up about the idea of a smart contract. To be very clear, the Lightning Network is a smart contract platform. So I just want everyone to be clear, like don't think I'm talking about Ethereum when I say smart contract. Bitcoin, lightnings are smart. HTLCs are smart contracts. Hashtag Good disclaimer lightning. there. Good disclaimer. I just want to disclose that. Yeah. We're going to be using the innovations inside of lightning and the protocol that, for example, if you want to message a pub key, another pub key inside of the network, there could be a smart contract said with that pub key that says, if the, this person denies your friend request, you have to pay sats because you were trying to spam that individual. But if they know you and they know that you're going to reach out, you accept that you have no consequences. Mm, but now there's finally consequences through money for spam. And I think that's going to change the world completely because then you could take all these like nefarious actors out of the, out of the system. Yeah. Rules without rulers. You create one rule saying that there's a cost to spamming and you get rid of 99% of spam with one rule. <laughs> that's brilliant. Um, yeah, it's like it's like it's using the cloud to become a regulator of identity. That's the that's the biggest thing is like letting the protocol become everything and like enabling a better version of regulation through smart contracts. This is what they were supposed to do. This is what the internet is supposed to do is make us better, make us yeah. more efficient, make it more like and 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 do it in a decentralized way and then do it on a decentralized monetary layer. The most powerful social network in the world will be built on a decentralized monetary layer. Obviously, yeah. that's Bitcoin. It's like it's it's obvious it's it's obvious that a social network should have been built on Bitcoin. To me, it's like an obvious it's an obvious thing. Yeah, Bitcoin is the ultimate social network. The first app was money, um, and like it's so crazy to think of it like that. And I think this whole you know take the words from Nick Zabo. If you attach unforgeable costliness to spamming and and basically annoying people, people stop annoying people because it's too expensive, especially at scale. It's not free. Yeah, let's talk about. One thing I'm really curious to hear your thoughts about, because I'm still kind of trying to wrap my head around the concept of this is stack inversion. And the idea that the typical stack is built in a certain way. And there's a problem with the way it's built because it doesn't actually prioritize hier hierarchically, which is most important to lead kind of the future elements that are built above it. And so I'm hoping you could talk about what does a traditional tech stack look like at a zoomed out level? And then how did Zion invert that stack and why? So a traditional tech stack, uh, this is my second tech business. Um, so when you go to a team of developers, what you start off with is a database. You start off with a database layer, then you build an application on top of that database layer, and then you finally figure out your monetization strategy or monetization vehicle of what you're going to do. I would say most applications are built in this way. I would say probably 99.999% of applications are built in this way. Well, we, when we decided to think about Zion and, and particularly this is where the innovation happened with like what Sphinx kind of started in their protocol. It's like, no, no, no. What we're going to start with 
is we're going to start with the decentralized monetary layer, which is Lightning. Then we're going to build an application layer at the second peak of that, which is a relay on top of a traditional Lightning node. And then finally, we're going to be able to build that last piece, which is a database per se, but it's not really a database. It's more of a broker that allows these nodes to connect to each other. So it's flipping the entire stack and saying, let's build on a monetary network. And none of this was possible before Bitcoin. None of this is possible. Even if you look at the other chains, what they start with, arguably, because a blockchain is just a database, um, and this is like just the, a blockchain is a database, is that they'll still start with the same layer. But we decided to start with a decentralized monetary layer and then build on top. So it's like, and I'm, I'm really hopeful that applications in the future will start building in this new way. Yeah, I mean, you're paving the way. You're pioneering to show proof of concept that not only is this possible, but you're heavily rewarded for building something that aligns with Bitcoin for Bitcoiners um, that delivers value to the world. And I think it's this beautiful organic propagation of things that actually give value to the world because you can't build a shit app and have it succeed just because you're pumping money into it because it dies eventually. Yep. This is how nature works, right? It's like this beautiful Darwinian system where what is what has the highest fitness for survival and in, in our terms would be whatever app gives the most value to the most humans in the most transparent, honest way that aligns with our fundamental base language, which is going to be, which is money and which is now Bitcoin. Um, if you don't design things that way, they die. This is how nature works. And this idea that you can just create shit because there's no alternative that people can turn to is kind of dying now, right? Like Facebook has a monopoly because they have, they've accumulated all of this human attention energy and now they're sucking it dry they're strip mining it at all costs yeah. um you can't do that anymore when there's a better alternative and it seems like why would you know the only reason someone would not go to zion and stay with facebook is because they don't know zion exists and yeah. so the challenge now is simply exposure it is not showing people that it's better it's simply exposure and education that there's a better option this is how we're better check everything that we're telling you you know like don't trust, verify. This is like not many, there's even companies out there that are Bitcoin companies that are building closed source wallet applications. It's like, Most you're not going to survive. Most you just are. can't. Most are. Most yeah. are. Most are. And that's the thing is that I think, you know, it's weird that I like, when I go and see a new thing, the first thing I go and look for is the GitHub. And if they don't have one, to me, it's like, it's really, really like, it's one of those things that like, to me is just like, why, you know, why, you know, if you're <laughs> yeah. like, like, like proprietary should not exist in this new world. Like, it's just like, it's like, you should be able to build on top of things and there's no reason not to, unless there's a security reason not to, right? Like, unless you have a, a clear security reason that someone can get into this or they can get into that. But generally like you should keep things open source and like let people see exactly what you're saying it does and let them let them you know it's, it was amazing what i think what the most amazing part about open source is is that it allows for the community to also like yesterday we had a pull request saying that like if you have too many characters when you start a community it goes over the right button into the app we we don't have that many people working at zion so like we overlooked the number of characters but someone in the community noticed that went to our github put a pull request and then we fixed it in the next release on the code base or if people have specific, like that to me is the idea of permissionless innovation. Like you need to, the future of social media will be built on a network that has permissionless innovation. And to me, this makes total sense of that. Yeah. Like we've built apps at TFC and you know, I, we've paid people to do regression testing to go through and say like, let us know if anything's broken here so that we can fix it. Everyone using Zion is doing regression testing at all times. Yeah, for free because <laughs> it's in their interest. Yeah, you can't fuck with that. Like, and and I and I appreciate our early customers. I like. I have to say, like, it, it's been you know, it was hard the first month, and people would like they would scream at us, and they'd be like, "Oh, fuck you for charging money for doing this." But then there were some people that were just like, "Thank you, and we want to support you in doing this, and we're going to help you build it and break it." Because the early people that helped us and, and they continue to help us build this are really the pioneers. They are, they are like the pioneers crossing the Appalachian mountains. They're the first people going into uncharted territory and they will be recognized for that. They will be known as the, the certain number of nodes in the network will eventually have things that can, can, and can honor them as being the pioneers in the lightning space because they were the first 20,000 nodes ever on the lightning network. 
And when this thing gets to millions of nodes, they'll be like, oh, they'll tell their kids. We were one of the first nodes on that network. Like, we, It's like the person that tells you they had the first credit card or the person that tells you, oh, I had one of the first cell phones. Yeah. People will talk about they had one of the first lightning nodes ever on the network. Yeah, and and it's I'm like, I'm really excited about that. I remember like the health network that I founded and I still kind of an, an executive for is called the foot collective because we started with feet. We took a, an approach, a holistic approach to health. We started with feet because it's the foundation and it was a really big problem. Choose fuck your feet up. Like if people just knew that they wouldn't have as messed up feet. Yep. And someone sent me a video once and it was this uh, people on a hill. One person gets up, starts dancing. And basically he's the crazy person. Everyone's like, who is that whack job? dancing in the middle of this hill. Gradually, one person goes and joins him. Another person goes. In a very short span of time, everyone's dancing. If you're not dancing, you're the weirdo. I feel like you're the first person that started dancing in, in the social media, decentralized social media world. Everyone's going to dance with you. And eventually, if you're not dancing, you're going to be like, well, why? The, what the fuck is stopping you? Like, this is silly. Do you know that this exists? You know how fun it is to <laughs> dance? You know how good Zion is? Or, like, yeah. yeah. And it's happening. It's happening in real time right now. And it's like, what a time to be alive right now. It's pretty crazy. Like I can't imagine doing anything else with my time. Now that I understand Bitcoin and what's going on, it's very hard to like, I'm unwinding my position as the, you know, we're kind of decentralizing TFC. Cause I think Bitcoin has just inspired me to be like, this is not the way we need to decentralize control and make it truly peer to peer instead of like centralizing all of our projects. And, uh, that's the way of the world. That's the way of nature. We're just getting back to the natural laws of the world. And the pioneers will always be looked at as like, that's the person that bursted through the wall, took a couple shots for everyone else, and is now opening up this whole new realm of potential that like no one knew existed. Yeah, I, I, I will have to say that I'm taking a ton of fucking shots. Like it's on every direction. But the thing is, I'm built for it, right? I, I think I'm, I'm very privileged that I've, you know, I got to, I survived some pretty fucked up stuff in my life. And, and I've been very blessed in my life as well. But like, I'm ready for it. And I want to like, you know, I, I want to be kind of there at the, like at, at the beginning of the hill and just like, let's charge through and let's like break through. Cause, cause I want to, you know, I was, I was having dinner yesterday with Mark Moss and like he mentioned, he's like, what entrepreneurs should do is like build the world that they want to live in. And I'm, I'm building this for myself and for, you know, eventually like when I have children, like the world that they should live in. Cause I don't think that the, the current structure of how we're addicted to these devices through centralized companies is like a great thing. I think it does some good, but it's not amazing. It's not, it's not the best way. So I think there's a lot of opportunity for us to kind of build a new type of, and a new world. Yeah. A better world, a Bitcoin world. Um, another line I heard you say in Kyle's podcast, which also melted my face is Bitcoin is the psychedelic of money. Yeah. And I really want to talk about how, you know, you dove into the default mode network and how basically it's like the status quo. It's like our autopilot. And we spend so much time on autopilot. And I think traditional social media actually empowers autopilot because that's what makes you spend more time on site. And this whole idea that when you take a plant medicine or do a psychedelic, it bumps you out of autopilot and actually gives you a new perspective on reality. One that's actually grounded in reality, uh, not in the virtual world. And so Talk to me about how Bitcoin is the psychedelic of money, because I love that. So, so a lot of this is inspired by Robert Breedlove. And, you know, we had a conversation and he kind of gave me this write up is like, so one of the benefits of psychedelics is that they disrupt the default mode network of the brain. Like the default mode network consists of etchings of neurophysiology, architecture, and that humans have created by carrying out our actions repetitively. These patterns of actions become habitual and they like, they lead to people defaulting to their traditional patterns. And if you've read Michael Pollan's book, how to change your mind, it compares the default mode network to snow covered on a mountain. And it's like with like well-worn ski paths on the surface. And clearly there's paths of least resistance that are found by skiing in the same, same patterns. But it analogous of the etchings of the default mode network where an individual can fall into the same repetitive patterns. And it's like collective for humanity. Like the default mode network is externalized into the world as basically institutions and governments. Like we think that this is how it's supposed to be. We think that this is how money is and this is how the government should be. And this is how institutions would be. And we're basically following the skiing analogy. But what happens is that if we take a dose of a psychedelic medicine, we take some ayahuasca, we do, we do um, psilocybin or bufo, basically the snow the cloud, it kind of, it starts a fresh coat on the mountain. They got fresh powder. 
it's like fresh powder and the ski like slopes that were there, they're actually no longer there. So we have to actually change a bit of habitual behavior. Psychedelics step outside of the default mode network because it changes our habitual actions. Bitcoin is the psychedelic of money because it disrupts all of our social constructs of money along with every downstream institution of it. Both Bitcoin and psychedelics are disruptive to the default mode network that humans use. And both do it as an institutional level and at an individual level. And I think that's the, to me, that's like the most brilliance of that idea because I, I, I do psychedelics. I've, I've, I've partaken. I realize how important it is for me to reframe my life. And generally like people have to think about Bitcoin, not as this thing that they could buy on the internet. It's like internet magic money. It has to change everything upstream on the institution because it removes the control of the institution at the highest level. Dude, that was so good. Like you're, you're getting good at spinning that off. Cause I was really <laughs> dialed. I think, yeah. And it's like the people who do mushrooms and go to a party and think it's a party drug are the people who buy Bitcoin trade it and just want to make money. The people who do psilocybin with a full end to end experience where they're going in with an intention, they're doing it in under the right circumstances, maybe with a guide, and they're actually integrating the experience well so that they can bring that lesson into their lives. Yep. That's the person who is buying Bitcoin and, and letting Bitcoin guide them on a learning journey to understanding human psychology, money, philosophy, society, how all this works, why we're fucking, why it's all fucked up and why it doesn't actually have to be this way. And I think those two parallels kind of fit nicely. And I think that notion of Bitcoin as psychedelic, as the psychedelic of money and bumping us out of the default mode network, giving us permission to see radically new possibilities, better possibilities for the kind of world that we want to live in that aren't limited to the constraints of what we think we're currently allowed to do. It's like, well, no, 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 no. In times of radical transitions, creativity and imagination are actually permitted because we have to rebuild from scratch. We can't just do a permutation and make something a bit better. Visa can't come out with something that's a bit better. We need to rebuild. And the cool thing is like, we're rebuilding on the strongest foundation I've ever seen of ever because money is both the foundation for society and Bitcoin is the best foundation. It's like stronger than granite. Um, and I think that's very, very powerful. Let's talk about peer-based governance because this is something that I, I think is a very good conceptual mental model for people to understand. You know, the transition from platform-based governance to peer-based governance with, the, with what you're building with Zion. Can you talk a little bit about that and sort of differentiating between the two, why one is better than the other? What are, you know, what are the problems with platform-based governance? Yeah, I mean, generally, you, you want the people that are actually following the individual to support them or not support them through monetary instruments, right. which in our case are just Bitcoin. So in a peer-based governance environment, you follow a creator, you subsidize the cost of them creating content by your contributions to them. And if you do not agree with what they're saying, you actually react and say, you know what, we don't really appreciate this or we will no longer contribute with our dollar. Whereas a platform-based governance model is basically like Facebook controls what you say and what you say and how you say it. Hmm. Whereas like the con if the contribution comes from the audience themselves, do you have a peer-based governance model? If the contribution comes through advertising through a centralized platform, i.e. YouTube, then it's a, a platform-based governance model. So I think the future of what social should look like is subsidized by the followers of an individual, not by the platforms themselves based upon their intention circumvented through the platform. Yeah, very well said. And I think that there's, we're inherently hitting a wall with the amount of complexity, right? Like Twitter, I have no doubt, Twitter's probably doing the best job they can to make sure that they're curating a community that's good for you know the people who use their platform. Yep. They cannot... Like they cannot play God. You cannot mold mass complexity of human social networks on a global scale. It's not possible. You're inevitably going to take down the wrong stuff. You're going to let the, you know, right. I mean, you're going to fuck it up. It's just not possible. And so I think peer-based governance puts power back into small peer networks so that we don't have to handle complexity at a mass scale because it's not actually doable. And it allows like nature to do its job. It allows small networks to work things out. Like you said, if you're putting out shit content, you don't have to be taken down by YouTube. No one's going to pay for it. So you're going to change, right? If someone's getting value from that, 
if one person gets value from it and pays you for it, then it's a signal to keep creating content. And I think we manipulate the traditional feedback loops that tells people what is good and valuable for society and what is not by allowing a central platform to control it and allowing money at the end of the day, you know, monetary powers control our reality in the virtual world. And most of us live in the virtual world most of the time. And it's like, it's a big problem. So I think restoring power back to communities by enabling peer-to-peer communication and feedback loops, like that's going to solve a lot of problems. One little thing, peer-based governance transition solves so many problems. And the cool thing is like Zion's not responsible for making sure the wrong things don't get said, right? You have no, you don't, you don't even know what's being said. So not only can you not stop it, you actually, you don't have to worry about that. You can just worry about creating really robust software that allows this to happen instead of trying to pretend like you can make it happen the right way. And that's like, it yep. seems like that would be super liberating and allow you to take just a focus instead of getting distracted by all the bullshit. Yeah, because we're not the arbiters of truth and we should never be the arbiters of truth. And I think that's the problem is that platforms have now taken this authority that they are the arbiters of truth. Like, and I, and I, I, I wholeheartedly disagree with this. It's like, like, why is the New York Times the de facto arbiter of truth for the globe? A company that's owned by a private family office, I have nothing against these people, I have nothing against, but why are they have to be the de facto fa- arbiter of truth in the world? I don't, think, I don't think they should be. I don't think that I, I don't think that I have to trust that. I don't think that I should be able to like, oh, no, no, this is, this is the way, this is the only way. I think that technology, I think proof of human, I think smart contracts, those are absolutes. Absolute through code. That's what I believe unstoppable code. And I mean, New York times has breached our trust so many times. I can't even count. And so the fact that they're still viewed as the arbiter of truth is, is shows that we live in a, in a world disconnected from reality because money is disconnecting us from that reality. And I think peer to peer decentralized based social networks restores reality as our, as our base that we view on a daily basis. Um, so just to kind of wrap things up current. And then I'd like to go through a couple rapid fire questions and then we'll wrap up the show. Current status of Zion where are you at? Like, what is your next milestone? What are you working on right now? And sort of what is your vision? Like in five years, what does Zion look like if all goes to plan? And surely there will be challenges along the way. Um, but right now, where are you at? What are you working on? What's the next milestone? And then what does Zion look like in five years? If Justin's plan goes to fruition, straight line as the, as the, as the crow flies. So I think what you'll see from us in the next few weeks is um, so we're releasing sharing into the app. So you'll be able to share other communities and you'll be able to share your pub keys. You'll be able to talk a little bit more. And then Jan 1, we're releasing all of our UI UX. That's what we're really excited about because the UI UX experience is now really, it was really just focused around communities. But the next thing you'll see is around this join chat pay model is joining communities that you love and discovery around new communities, chatting with anyone in the world really easily, and then using your wallet just like as a as integrated as any other Lightning wallet available in, out there in terms of what the products can offer. Um, and then obviously your account. So I think those we're really excited about. And then just onboarding more people. You know, We wanna convert these 11,000 people that are on our wait list. We want you to be on Zion as fast as possible. We wanna do that. And we're doing as much as we can to grow our infrastructure to be able to handle that many people. It's just, it's a challenging thing. Like. Like in, in 60 days to be 10% of the network means that you're really putting constraints on the network overall. And we're always seeing things break and we're yeah. pushing boundaries. Like if I told you guys some of the stuff happening internally, you'd be like, it's crazy. Like we lost tens of millions of sats in this weird wallet. Now we're looking to find them. But this is what I want to end on. Um, what makes this company successful in five years? And it's a question that I always tell my investors. This is, the, this is my core thesis that in five years, if we all close our eyes and we're in collective conversation, we think about censorship in the past. Censorship doesn't exist anymore. We talk about it as if it only happened in 2021, 2020. It was something that happened when there was that COVID-19 thing, but censorship doesn't exist in our world today. That is what makes me successful in what I do in the world. That is my North Star and that's what I'm always going towards. That's a great anchor because really what you're saying is free speech is restored and free speech applies to language. It applies to ideas. It applies to money, right? Money is a form of speech and uh, a censorship free world is such a better world. It's a clearer world. Um, and it's a, it's a more human world actually. And it allows humans to determine what truth is instead of being told arbitrarily what truth is by people who might not have great intentions. Um, 
what is your bottleneck? Like, okay, I have a lightning node. I have an umbral node. Lightning is configured. Can I plug your software into my node and operate that node self-sovereign? Not we're so we're not available on Umbral's app store yet because dockerizing relays is not easy for Umbral. Like, like yeah. I think people don't realize like that's an entire couple weeks of development to do that. Mm. If there's somebody out there that wants to help us do it faster, we will hire you. We're in con- like time constraint because you have to you have to specialize to their app store, right? To do that. If you're an engineer, which we have many people that are already on the app that we don't really know, is like you can download our relay and integrate it into your node yourself. And, and do it all on your own. It's, it's available right now, but it's not a one click, you know, that, cause that requires a hold. Like we have to integrate into Umbral and that's yep. the, their own, it's their own app store. And right. that's another platform. It's another platform we have to, so we have to, you know, go to this platform and this platform, this platform. So right now it's, it's dockerized in relay and you could do it online. So anyway, perfect. And then to get involved with Zion, getzion.com. You go there. Uh, shop, shop.getzion.com. You can grab a node with a one-click checkout. We we're, uh, we want to make this as easy as possible for people because we know we're bringing Bitcoin to a new generation of creators. And yes, we don't accept today. Like it's a credit card checkout. We just want to make it as easy as possible for people because yep. at one point- That's everyone, a bridge. It's a bridge. Bridge, it. bridge. We yeah. got to bridge it. And at the end of the day, everyone bought Bitcoin with fiat. So remember that. And I don't think a lot of people want to give their Bitcoin up. I love paying with credit cards because I don't have to, I, I, exactly. I don't pay for 30 days. Exactly. I get money from it. Exactly. <laughs> That's the point. We're like, cool. Just, you don't even have to pay with Bitcoin. Just let's convert it. And, um, and, you know, we provide a channel when you kind of grab your node, we already create that channel for you. And then, um, yeah, there's some sats sprinkled in there as well. Yeah. I think people sometimes go into the binary view of like Bitcoin's going to erase fiat. Bitcoin will not erase fiat. It will erode fiat. But I, like living a life that's long Bitcoin and short fiat means like, why wouldn't you take advantage of free funny money while it's still around? And so yep. using Visa, using lines of credit, like these are things that I think have a place. And I think the, you know, the mindset of, oh, I got to go full Bitcoin is like, it's not actually grounded in reality or actually a rational way of making decisions. Um, rapid fire questions. Then we, then we'll wrap up. First one is what does it mean to be a Bitcoiner to you? These can be as short or as long as you want, but what does it mean? Sovereign individual. Sovereign individual. Boom. Love it. Best book to recommend or your favorite book to recommend to a complete newbie that just heard of Bitcoin and only knows the word. Um, layered money by Nick. Okay, good. Um, favorite person to hear talk about Bitcoin. Sailor, Michael yeah, Sailor, of course. That guy, yeah, that guy is going to have statues built of him in future. Um, that's pretty much it, dude. Justin, I know you're a busy dude. Like you just explained how fucking busy you are and how little time you have because you're putting all your energy towards Zion. And I want to give you a personal thank you for doing the work you're doing, taking the shots, being the brave one, first one through the door to actually pioneer a better future that is free of censorship. Um, thank you for giving your time. Like one thing about people in Bitcoin is they're very generous with their time. Like we just started this platform two months ago and you agreed to do an, in, you're the founder of a, of a world changing company and you agreed to do this. So I want to thank you. I appreciate it deeply. Um, I'm going to look into Zion because we have a community, you know, we have whatever, 290,000 people on Instagram. We have a bunch of different platforms that have their own like elements of the TFC network. Zion is a better alternative. And so I got to figure out how to let people know about this and how to transition things. But like, we're going to support you, dude, because you're doing great work, you and your team. Um, you know, to everyone listening, um, support Justin, check out Zion, just check out their website. It's really intuitive and actually uh, really visually very nice, even to someone who doesn't know much about Bitcoin. Uh, thanks for dropping by the store, Justin. To everyone listening, thanks for being here. If you enjoyed the conversation, you can support the project by heading to bitcoinstore.com, sending some stats to QR code there. Uh, wishing you all a great rest of your day. And uh, Justin, if people want to find you or Zion, it's getzion.com. Uh, is there any other coordinates you want to put out there? No, I mean, I'm, I'm somewhat active on Twitter. Just my name, Justin Rezvani, R-E-Z-V-A-N-I, Justin at the front. Um, and yeah, thank you very much for your time. Awesome. Ciao for now, everyone.